CRP, the Farm Bill, Climate Smart Farming, Input Cost Opportunities, and even the timing of the appointments of state Farm Service Agency directors. When you get time with the top USDA official, you ask a lot of questions. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. This week, we're taking a look at a range of key issues under consideration at USDA. Jackie Fatka, policy editor at Farm Progress, caught up with Robert Bonney, Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation, during his visit to Commodity Classic. Bonnie has returned to USDA to work with Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack. During their conversation, Fatka asked about a range of issues, including the potential food impact of the Russia-Ukraine conflict to the move toward climate-smart farming. They also cover how USDA will engage Congress on the upcoming Farm Bill conversation. Listen in to get insight on the many issues the Ag Agency is handling. Fatka even asks Bonnie what keeps him up at night. Well, Robert, Bonnie, uh, great to see you back at USDA. I guess maybe let's start there. You have not, you're not a stranger to USDA, so what's different this time and uh, what do you see as the momentum as you come into this role? A little different, but uh, a, a lot of exciting things going on in your area there at USDA. Yeah, I mean, it's great to be back and I, I really miss the people. The quality of the workforce at USDA is great, so it's great to be back with a lot of those folks and obviously working for Secretary Vilsack again, who I'm uh, 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 no surprise there. I'm a big fan of his and worked for him for eight years in the Obama administration now back, so it's great to be back. It's also a, an exciting time just given the, the issues in agriculture. Climate change is obviously a really important one. and the really interesting thing is just how engaged agriculture is right now on it. Same on the forestry side. Folks are at the table helping to shape policy and we're doing as much listening as we can to make sure that the, the tools we develop fit for agriculture. But, you know, we also see what's going on in Ukraine right now, emphasizing the importance of, of our ability to produce a stable food supply and, and that's shining a light on, on agriculture. And so maintaining kind of the core safety net programs at, at USDA is, is really important. We're also coming into a farm bill and There'll be lots of conversations around, you know, what happens in the 23 Farm Bill. So there's a lot going on right now. It's an exciting time, and um, you know, it's good to be back. Good to be back at USDA. You mentioned Ukraine, so I'm going to ask. There's a lot of concerns that we might not have enough food or grain to feed the world. I know earlier this week there was a, a request on maybe taking some land out of CRP or delaying that sign up for CRP because we just don't know if we'll have enough. What are your thoughts? Um, is that something that, that you guys are considering or are there other options to make sure that we do have enough to feed the world? Well, I think we do have a food supply we need to feed the world and on the CRP uh, issue in particular, we're not looking at, at um, making changes at this point. Important to remember that you know CRP ground is tends to be highly erodible, marginal, some flood-prone land, and others. And so, even if you took a lot of that land out, its productive capacity is going to be far less than than acres that aren't in the program on average. We're going to look to ways to continue to target the most environmentally sensitive lands to make sure we've got the right mix of lands in that program. And I think. Some respects with CRP, we can have our cake and eat it too. We just have to make sure we get the incentives right, get the right lands in there. And for some producers, some landowners, it's a critically important program. We know how important it is to hunting and fishing and water conservation and a whole lot of other things. Um, we just got to make sure we get the balance right. 
you know, going into the farm bill discussion, uh, sticking on CRP, uh, we lowered the rates on some of that. You've actually increased some of those rates back. Uh, what do you expect as you go forward, and what are you telling those on Capitol Hill about um, how to adjust CRP and, and the role that that also plays in some of the climate goals of this administration? Yeah, so, you know, the, the, the uh, last administration turned down some of the incentives, as it were, on the program. We've, we've turned them up, back up and, and look for ways that we can encourage folks to, to come into the program. Um, that's, boosted, uh, that, that, that's boosted enrollment last year. Prices are higher. And, the vast majority of uh, commodities, as people know right now. So we'll see. We'll see what we get here. We've also got the grasslands tool here to keep working grasslands in in ranching and in in livestock operation and bring them into the program. So that might provide some opportunity to add some additional acres as well. And as we look at the farm bill, I think again this this conversation about how we make sure we get the best acres into the program. By that I mean the, the, the ones that are going to provide the most benefit to the taxpayer, most environmental benefit, conservation benefit. Um, but recognizing we need to produce, continue to produce um, food and fiber and fuel, and it's just finding the right balance. And as I say, I think we can find that balance. You're here at the Commodity Classic uh, around a lot of producers. What's maybe something that you've heard from producers that uh, you weren't aware of? I mean, obviously, this is this is a, you're you're very in touch with a lot of things that are going on. But has there been any kind of oh, we got to figure out a way to fix that? Some things that you're hoping to take from here to to get back and and, and see if there's some adjustments that can be made at the regulatory level mm-hmm. or USDA level or or even at the county office level to fix some of the things that you're hearing from producers here. We always learn things when we come out. It's really important. And one of the challenges with COVID has been the ability to get out and actually see people face-to-face. And you can only do so much over, over Zoom. And so it's been great to actually hear from folks. We learn a lot about how our offices are working on the ground, what you know, what challenges are with programs. You, you always feel like you're, you're adjusting to make sure that the, the programs um, uh, fit the need. Lots of interest in, you know, extreme weather um, Drought, disaster programs, that sort of uh, that those sort of issues, and interest in that and heading into the 23 farm bill. Um, so you know that's always of interest. And so you know you hear things on both the programmatic side. How can we make our programs fit better, suit better, work better, both for the taxpayer and for for agriculture? And then on the administrative side, how do we make sure we, we do things better? And I do think efficiency whether it's IT systems or just um, how we run our programs out of, the, out of our offices is incredibly important. That stuff doesn't make the headlines. It doesn't always, you know, it's not sexy, but it's in some ways sort of the blocking and tackling of what we do is just so important. And so I think there will be an emphasis over the coming years on us just making sure we're doing as good a job as we can and just getting the programs and, and making it easier for folks to participate. Climate smart. Is, is becoming a phrase that we're all getting more familiar with. Uh, but climate smart commodities is something that we don't really have our full understanding of what that entails. And you've got a pilot program that you guys are getting signups, uh, you know, applications are coming in, uh, $1 billion for that. Give us an update on that and, and maybe even some of those early applications. Obviously, nothing's approved, but what do you see as some of those pilot projects to kind of help us figure out where we go from here on that that new revenue stream in the ag sector? Yeah, our approach on climate change is going to be 
voluntary, incentive-based. It's going to be about partnerships. How do we work with agriculture and forestry to integrate climate smart practices into their operations? We obviously want to scale up those practices. There's a lot agriculture can do to mitigate climate change. If you think about how does the USDA get to net zero, excuse me, how does USA, the United States, get to net zero by 2050? It's clear agriculture and forestry have an important role to play. But it's it, it's it's got to be able to integrate into what agriculture does. We've got to continue to produce um, food and fiber, and so you know the the opportunity here with the partnerships for climate smart commodities is about commodity production. It's about how do we scale up those practices? How do we de-risk it for agriculture? We're willing to pick up the price for both the deployment of the practices and the measuring and monitoring that, that goes along with that. There are emerging markets, obviously carbon markets, but on the other side. Um, you know, there's interest in climate smart commodities. Maybe folks are interested in greening their supply chains or otherwise. We're um, being neutral about what those market opportunities are for producers. They can they can come together and, and think of those opportunities themselves. What we want to do is is provide the resources to scale up and measure climate smart practices. And so there's been a lot of interest. Um, every commodity group, every producer group I meet with is talking about putting in a proposal. We held a um, a webinar a couple weeks ago on this at USDA and had a thousand people show up, which per USDA webinar is pretty <laughs> impressive. So there, there's a lot of interest. Um, you know, um, folks haven't started submitting applications yet, but we've we've got a we've got a ton of interest. We're seeing folks in the private sector, even some equipment folks or folks that that are uh, maybe. Um, um, fertilizer companies and others that are thinking about it. Commodity groups are thinking about it. Some have existing programs that they think, hey, we can we can increase the number of folks that are in our existing programs. Others are thinking about um, new efforts. Broadly, we want to have a portfolio of pilots here that is broadly representative of agriculture, both cropping, livestock, forestry um, operations, but then also small producers, medium-sized, large um, historically underserved tribes and so you know our hope is to get a portfolio of broad projects that frankly we can do a lot of learning from this is these are pilots we're going to learn these things and learn how to do this and and if we can do some learning that'll help us both on the policy side and in the context of the 23 farm bill and it'll, it'll um, help us do a better job of making sure we we can deliver for producers out there when it comes to climate change Obviously, 23 Farm Bill will be here before we know it. What do you see as some of your marching orders here in the next year, year and a half, as Congress is really kind of ramping up? I know you've been uh, in front of the House Ag Committee. They're doing some work on oversight and your staff and so forth. But what do you see as kind of those checkpoints on the 23 Farm Bill for USDA and providing that technical assistance? Yeah, I mean, Congress obviously writes the Farm Bill. But USDA has an important role to play in working with them to determine what fixes are needed, what gaps, what challenges do we have, where there's you know, issues where we need um, changes to statutes. There are always you know, priorities for an administration and, and I think our interest is in working with Congress to, on some of those things. Obviously climate change is going to be you know, really, really important and there's some opportunities to, to talk to folks about some of those things, but disaster, you know. Um, Crop insurance is critically important. How do we how do we build on the safety net programs we have at the same time that we think about some of the other challenges we're, we're presented with, whether it's quality loss or, or or what have you that we're seeing drought and other things. So, um, you know, I think our our 
uh, we all recognize that, again, Congress writes these things. But the USDA has an important role to play in, in providing good information and looking for ways that, that we can all build coalitions across party lines with different stakeholder groups to improve the farm bill and, and, and deliver on it. And, you know, we, um, we're still rolling out things from the last farm bill. And so, you know, there's some learning we still have, have yet to do. But um, as your question points out, it's fast approaching. <laughs> You know, switching gears a little bit, but high input costs are very top of mind for nearly every producer, if not every producer. Um, Are there ways that USDA is looking to provide some assistance? You know, everybody kind of sees the, um, you know, high high prices and then you hear about tariffs. But what is USDA's role in this? Um, Is there pushing that we could do to ITC, you know, some legislative. I know there's some proposals out on that too, but what do you see USDA's role with the high input costs right now? One thing is to, I mean, there's some things we can potentially do directly on it, and we're looking at ways, or there's some things we could do on the supply chain side. You've seen some of the things we've done, different issue, but on competitiveness and meat processing, and there are ways we can you know, think about the um, CCC or rural development dollars to think about are there some things we could do there. And so we'll, we'll look at are there similar things we could do on supply chain here that, that, that would be helpful on the input cost side. But as you think about our farm programs, they're tiered to revenue and yields. And with the exception of the you know dairy margin coverage program, which does take into account inputs, most of our programs are, are about something something else. And so, you know, frankly, the better job we do in carrying those programs out, the disaster stuff, getting those resources out, that'll certainly help producers on the, on the input cost side. It, not directly, right? It's indirect. But, um, and then this may be something that Congress wants to talk about in the context of the, of the 23 Farm Bill. You know, our hope and expectation is is that um, things will settle down a little bit here. But certainly, the what's happening in Ukraine has has um, shined an even brighter light on on this. And and um, you know, as I say, we'll continue to look at are there are there ways we can be creative, whether it's fertilizer costs or other things, and we'll we'll continue to look for those opportunities. When you talk about similar to meat processing, are you are you looking at using using USDA funds to kind of prop up the domestic supply of yeah, you so know the company? I mean, we, you know, and you've, you've heard this from the secretary, we want to be as creative as we can. And, um, you know, if it's, if it's a commodity credit corporation, that's tied to commodity production. And so we're, we're going to be we're going to be very true to that. But but are there some opportunities there or some other things we, we can do on the input side? And, you know, the secretary has, has tasked us with being creative and leaning into it. And so, you know, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll see where we can make a difference. A lot of folks are wondering about their state FSA directors. I've heard that a few times here. I know that I hear that often too. Uh, where, where are, where, where is the holdup? Is it actually getting nominees? Is it getting them cleared through the process? Is it getting the right person in there? It tends to be more on the process side, and it always. I mean, it took me seven months to get through confirmation, and um, you know, I don't think I'm that controversial, right? But, <laughs> It, it all these personnel things always take longer, and and we're working as quickly as we can to get those folks in, as well as the state committee um, members as well. And you know, as I say, we're pushing. We know how important they are. We know it's a kind of a critical link in our in our infrastructure and architecture. And so, you know, we continue to push as hard as we can. Last question: What keeps you up at night? Is there something that you just keep noodling, wishing you could figure out a way to solve? <laughs> I'm actually sleeping pretty well these days. That's I mean, good. There's, um, 
you know, as I said earlier, it's great to be back at USDA. Certainly there are a lot of challenges, but I feel like um, we're used to a lot of issues being pretty polarized in our society these days. I think there's actually a broad agreement around a lot of things in, in agriculture. I'm not sure we all see that all the time, but even just look at the climate conversation we're having right now. Agriculture's at the table. It's engaged, rolling up its sleeves, figuring out how to make this work. There are folks looking at business opportunities, and, and that's really exciting, and I think that's true in a lot of agriculture, that there's a, you know, folks have their shoulder to the wheel, and there's some real opportunities here, and I sleep a little better because of that. <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you so much awesome. for your time. I appreciate Thanks. it. All right. Thanks to Jackie Fatka for her conversation with Robert Bonney, Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation. A range of interesting ideas were shared here and we appreciate her work covering policy for our readers. And thanks to Undersecretary Bonney for his time. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands, as well as farm futures, beef, national hog farmer and feedstuffs and our events, including the Farm Progress Show, Husker Harvest Days, and the New York Farm Show. And there's another opportunity for staying connected to Farm Progress using your smartphone. If you text FARM to 20505, you can sign up for the Farm Progress mobile text service. When you send the first message, you'll get a confirmation, so be sure to respond to that too to make sure you get on the list. You can even eventually join the Farm Progress panel to share your insights with our regular polls. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening. <music>